Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we are recording this episode of NV Politics on July 10th, 2023. So let's get into it. All right. Um, a lot has happened since the last time we met here, Tim. And I hate to say it, but with how much I've read the news, I, I was unaware of it. <laughs> Truth be told, I'm, I, I felt that there hasn't been much. So maybe I need to get out from under my rock. Well, something that did happen was that this past Saturday, Donald Trump visited the state of Nevada. He actually was in Vegas. The actor? Yeah, <laughs> from reality television. The actor uh, Donald Trump was in town. <laughs> well, in Vegas anyway. And imagine if Dr. <laughs> Emmett Brown was told Trump was the president in 1950. Uh, well, in, I don't yeah, know how who, old I Trump was in 1950. <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to think more of, uh, oh, yeah, that's fair. Who knows? But <laughs> it's fun aside. Yeah, well, so... Trump, uh, just real quick highlight, apparently, uh, The Hill, they reported that he made sure to refer to Ron DeSantis as highly overrated. Uh, and also, I guess, somehow, but not fully acknowledged that uh, Trump's campaigns from the past have historically been a challenge with Nevada voters. Uh, obviously, because he lost Nevada in both 2016 and 2020. But he said he believes Nevada is a Republican state. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, we've been called reasonably purple for the longest time. Just today, there was the news report that I was reading of the Republican analysts saying, oh, it wasn't Democrats that lost us the, the election in 22. It was independent Nevadans. It's like they, they, we're a purple state. We yep. blend. We're, we sh we're we sure do. Yeah. But I'll say this. I mean, I, I think Trump Trump believes a lot of things that um, may not always be statistically accurate. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. he was in Nevada. And then I found out today that there are some interesting characters who will be visiting Nevada in August for an event called reawaken america tour and this uh before i say who these guests are i just liked how the uh the event itself has been described by some news outlets because i had to research it to find out yeah so apparently the organizers have described it as a place where you'll consume copious amounts of meat You'll increase your carbon footprint. One, yeah. <laughs> Carpooling is not recommended. And any freedom-loving patriot is welcome. <laughs> so their, their events have been described as half Christ, Christian revival, half QAnon conspiracies. Yeah. And <laughs> Which seems accurate, sadly. Yeah. It's, um... Did you see? Okay, I, I I was looking at a photo from uh -huh. one of their. I know this is. Oh, a little I didn't aside, see any photos. Like, no, so I just I went a little deep. I was like, tell me more about these people. Yes, yes. I yes. want to see their conventions. I think I was either on their website or on some news website about their stuff. In this, like this whole place, there was some like praise it was just like the weirdest venue of like vendors outside of this speech in this concert hall one of them was like general uh like the the flynn guy oh like, yeah Michael general flynn? mike flynn yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he yeah, was yeah. he was spewing some quotes there was you know he's like, an interesting one people were selling flags uh <laughs> there was someone there apparently selling an exercise machine that cost $3,500, which, quote, was a steal comparatively. <sighs> it, oh, you stood on it and it vibrated to <laughs> help you lose weight. So it was like cool. one of those old, like, fat jiggers yeah. from the 50s. 
Oh man. Okay. So, uh, so this is being, uh, at least the, some of the speakers who are going to be there is Alex Jones and Roseanne, Roseanne Barr. They're, they're going to be there. And well, my I mean, favorite, don't forget our, our favorites, uh, my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, the crazy guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's at a lot of them. He's a regular um, the young Trumps are a regular. <laughs> so both Eric and, uh, D DTJ, however that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's where it's a place where you can just try to make money too off of your electorate. But so eight news now in the article. I gotta find uh, this photo. They they had to ensure that they put this at the very bottom where it says the city of North Las Vegas issued a statement saying they were in no way affiliated with the event, but that they support our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech. <laughs> All right, so this was from the photo that I'm referring to. I'm pulling it up so I can accurately describe it here. This came from NPR, too, so this is where I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm even just more so. Uh, one of the banners says, protect from 5G radiation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, prayers and prophecy. Foreverconservatives.com. Uh, is your pillow making you sick? What is this? These these are these people are nuts. There's Some no of them substitute are substitute for American freedom and exceptionalism, as quoted by uh, Michael Flynn. Oh yeah, so a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of interesting characters, some conspiracy theories. So that's what has happened and what will be happening uh, coming up in Nevada. So just wanted to give some quick updates there. Some areas to avoid. <laughs> yeah, nor North Las Vegas. Uh, so we do have a very quick rehash today. Our main topic, uh, we're going to jump into some good news. And then also a little bit about some dark money stuff. And then we'll get into broke our brains. So rehash. Tim, I don't know if you saw this. I saw an article posted by the Las Vegas Sun on June 29th that the largest teachers union in Nevada, they are seeking to halt the A Stadium funding. The, what are your uh, thoughts Nevada on State this? Yeah, the Nevada State Educators, Educators Association. Um, it is key to note that there are two educators associations in the state, mm -hmm. and the other one has quoted to say, we're not participating in this, and we don't engage with irrelevant organizations. <laughs> um, and the Fair. other one is like the Clark County Educators Association or something like that. Like, it's, okay. it's dumb how that's happening. With that being said, I, I initially saw this. To me, I, I didn't read the part about them wanting to put a referendum or something like that forward. I think that they're trying to do too much too fast in the sense of it will take more time for them to get done what they're trying to get done than it will for the stadium to get built, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's probably going to be a waste of time. But the other thing that they're probably going to be doing even more strong is supporting candidates that voted against this and getting out candidates that voted for this. They're going mm -hmm. to be probably backing educators and all of this a lot more. They'll be probably more politically active in 24. I see it as a very, very political thing of like, oh, well, we're we're really looking at setting us up better yeah. in the future, not allowing this to happen. Because a lot of the, not all of them, but a lot of the educators did stand firm against the bill. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, that was a quick rehash on that. And then the yeah. only other topic to rehash, you know, our last episode, we talked about cannabis consumption lounges. And I did see a post from the Nevada Independent that shared the first cannabis consumption lounge likely to open in Nevada will be Smoke and Mirrors, which their management said they hope to have open by October. So that's the only update that I've seen with an actual kind of timeline well, announced. Just to kind of just to to mention some things about it yeah, because I think it kind of goes in line with what we talked about the last time. But first, when you read what of his, what his plans are, um, he wants to put forward a white glove 
bar experience, which right there is an oxymoron. Um, but a lot of what he's describing or a lot of what he's saying would be like, I have to go to the bar and tell the bartender how much I drink on a daily basis before he serves me. Mm. And it's like that. I get it, but I don't. And he's trying to make this chill, like, oh, hey, you get to, you know, go in and just hang out and meet friends and everything. But like... I don't have to go to the bar and tell the bartender, like, no, I, I drink a beer a day or, like, whatever it is. But part of their whole experience is, oh, you have to, you know, disclose your your use of THC and your tolerance so that we can give you a par- a proper tailored experience. That's interesting. Um, it, it's interesting, and I think it also leads into my next point, which a lot of what he's putting forward is very ambitious, He's trying to say, oh, we'll sell infused barbecue sauce that you can put on food that's sold at the food truck outside. And it's like, yeah, but you can't do that with how the law is written, or at least how my non-legal brain understood the law. So I think you're reaching for some some stars there. (laughs) Maybe he'll get it passed. Like, good on him. He's a businessman. He's got a lot of ideas. He's got a lot of forward thinking there. But I think it's going to be... An, a tricky road and a questionable road because it's like I, you're, you're toying some lines if you're trying to get that personalized with this, and I understand the wanting it to be, quote unquote, personalized. Yeah. But there's also the legal limitations that they have put in place, sure. so you can only personalize it to a point. And to use alcohol as an example. Alcoholics can go to a bar and drink a lot before they're feeling anything or they're drunk or whatever it is. And when we're saying a lot, like, it could be an ungodly amount for normal people. Mm -hmm. This could be the same thing with marijuana, and yet there is an actual cap on, from at least from what I remember, from reading the regulations on what they can sell. So I think he's ambitious, Mm -hmm. but I think he's... He still has to get through the the legal barriers and the legal checks, and that's where it's gonna it's gonna pan out. And that's even this isn't even looking at the one in Washoe, which, as we were pointing out, wants to be an open air one, which, from everything we understand, doesn't work because right. it can't be in view of the public. Right. So we'll see what happens. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. I, when I read that it's smoke and mirrors, I was like, yeah, it sounds like it. Now I understand <laughs> with you saying it that that's the name of it. We'll see what pans out. I yeah. thought it was actual smoke and mirrors. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our rehash. And now we're going to jump into our main topics. We've got a, a couple of just quick things we're going to hit on uh, that have occurred recently before we jump into the the meat and potatoes. And that is uh, just some good news. The Las Vegas Review-Journal had recently posted two separate articles, one on July 6th and one on July 7th, essentially sharing out some of the larger raises that have come to both some, um, the state police, uh, they saw a 23% raise, which is the biggest in Nevada history. And then college and university employees received a 12% raise. So, Those have both gone through and just thought, you know, we've talked a lot about our state employees being uh, underpaid and uh, educators, obviously. And so, hey, they're they're finally getting a bit of a break. And that was some really great news to see that that hit. I've heard both a lot of praise and not a lot of praise about this. Okay. The praise that I heard bless their heart, but came from the former cops in my family, because I'm pretty sure that it also increased the amount that they were getting paid out of their pension. Really? So they got a pension boost. I have to look into that. I could be wrong. Okay. But something else from the other side is that everyone's kind of like, the fuck? Why the hell did cops get twice as much as everyone else? Is that only because our governor is a former cop? Like, what the hell? And I've heard that quite a bit. Yeah. And that's kind of my big question of, like, why are they getting a 20? Like, why isn't it 23 across the board? I'm we wondering that, if it's um, an incentive, you know, to yeah. 
try and to that's bring where, on more because I know we have we're very understaffed. Is it? Is it we're understaffed as te- in our teachers. We're right. understaffed we in are. our doctors. We're understaffed. Like I'm sorry, but the last thing our state needs, at least in my opinion, is more cops. When <laughs> we also need more teachers and more doctors as well. Like. Yeah. We can put more funding into like the, uh, you know, I don't know what they'd be called, social workers that are working with our police departments because that would help with our general health care and the police problem. That would be a better use of the funding. But, hey, I don't know. Again, that's what I want to look more into. Yeah, no, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I wonder if if that is why, you know, if it's for incentive. but. I don't um, agree with it, but that could be it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> policing, it's, it's reactive, right? Sorry if we to actually, my cousins, but... <laughs> if we actually invest in what we know statistically brings crime rates down, uh, which is education and more opportunity for, like, equal employment, things like that... Um, that, well, that, equal opportunity. That it, I don't think we have that anymore. Well, you know, I feel that that is a perfect segue... Into the recent Supreme Court ruling against affirmative action. So obviously our Supreme Court has been very active lately. And there was a post from the Las Vegas Sun where they essentially said, hey, this isn't going to change much for at least UNLV. UNLV is the the university specifically that uh, made mention here. Despite the court ruling... They are committed to racial diversity, and apparently UNLV is uh, located in a richly diverse community. Sure, yes, I will say um, Vegas is rather diverse, Uh, and they were proud to rank among the nation's most diverse universities. So while, you know, they'll continue to review the court's rulings to ensure all university policies are in compliance with any updates to federal law, um, UNLV is saying that they will remain committed to the ideals of inclusion, diversity, and equity so that every member of their rebel family feels a strong sense of belonging. So, yeah, you talked about equal opportunity, Tim, and so I just thought we'd throw that out there since that Supreme Court ruling, it's... It might change some things. Um, and I know there's been some backlash around legacy admissions. The whole idea behind affirmative action admissions were to counter legacy admissions. Because at legacy admissions are a system that predominantly uh, benefits only rich white males. Because it was a system designed around, oh, you had a family member that went to this university, right. donated a lot to this university, either time, money... Uh, whatever it is, like some something back to the university, so we'll allow you to go here. Also under the presumption that you will, in two, donate time, money, prestige, something from you going there because your family member did as well. It's the, it's the ticket that a lot of white individuals have used to get into schools for their entire history. When affirmative action came out, I'm pretty sure legacy admissions were used as the way to counter that because... If well, because they white, said they wouldn't touch it. That's the thing. This Supreme Court, while they ruled against affirmative action, they said that legacy admissions uh, would still remain. Yeah, and that's also problematic because it's essentially just as long as you have enough money, you can pay to get in. But you can't take race into consideration. And this is where I I have to read the Supreme Court ruling, and I can't do it quickly because it's longer than what I can do as a quick read. But... It's the problem is, is if they can still ask on the application, nothing changes. The, like fundamentally, in my opinion, because schools can still ask and they just have to say, oh, well, we're not considering that on the application, but it's a box that you check here for this. So we happen to see it or whatever it is. It's easy for schools to just lie about it. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if it actually means that they can no longer ask the race, this becomes a whole other thing because now we, I'm, I'm afraid of the other thing where universities will say, oh, well, this changes nothing about our admission standards, but I mean, we don't know who's what anymore. Or we can't take it into consideration or we're not going to. So there will just be fundamentally less of them because we're not looking at it anymore or something right. like it. I don't, I just... 
I'm afraid, and that's the whole problem with it. You read why Clarence Thomas hates affirmative action, and it's because he felt like it was a chip on his shoulder or some crap. I don't know if that's the case, but all I know is that to me, it comes down to the finish line and where everyone's starting in regards to it. Mm -hmm. And affirmative action was an attempt to get them closer to everyone else's starting line. Yeah. It's not even getting them closer to the finish line in regards to it's getting them closer to everyone else's starting line when it's when we're talking about a finish line. There's still more to do, but yep. oof. you know, hey, UNLV, they're committed to diversity. Well, and so is UNR. <laughs> and here yeah. and this is why this is why I made that statement, is because pretty much every single university that I've seen has said the same thing. Sure. So that's where I'm like, I'm glad that UNR and UNLV have said it, but they have to also put their money where their mouth is, pun intended, and <laughs> make sure that they're actually doing what they're saying they're going to do. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So you ready to hop into this main topic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some interesting thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm actually really interested in hearing your thoughts. Okay, so let's talk about how Democrats want to see Lombardo's dark money list. Okay, so let me break it down for you real quick. One of the 70-something bills, what was it, 75, 76, 74, something like that, of the bills that Lombardo vetoed was one that was meant to publicize his post-inaugural donors. Well, but... Specifically, the donors that helped set up or do his inaugural party. Yes. Which is a key thing. There's, yes. Because there's a lot of political stuff that's at play there. So that's why that's important information. Yes. And it's a nonprofit. Uh, so the Associated Press, uh, they shared an article uh, that stated the decision to have a nonprofit instead of a political action committee or a PAC handle his inaugural planning bucks trends from recent Nevada governors and notably allows a nonprofit to hide its donors. So the Democrats filed an open records request, according to a Las Vegas Sun article that posted on July 2nd. And I figured, like, let's talk about dark money and what that actually means just so that there's some clarity here and clarity about dark money that's an oxymoron <laughs> we've got a lot of those this show you're not <laughs> wrong okay so dark money is essentially they are funds that are raised for the purpose of influencing elections by nonprofit organizations that are not required to disclose the identities of their donors now this is not illegal. Well, and, and traditionally, they're not nonprofits. That's sure. the other thing we yeah. have to be very careful of is traditionally they are a pact or a super pact mm -hmm. committee or organization. Because when you get into nonprofits, there's 501c3s, 501c4s, which yep. can be politically involved and non-politically involved. But normally, most of them are not 501c4s, so they don't do political stuff. Most of the time it's done through a pact or a, pact or a super pact. I went to uh, the website, it's called the Center for Public Integrity, and it kind of breaks down the, the concept of dark money and why, again, while not illegal, um, why it could be concerning to some. And so I'm just going to share this. This is right off of their website. So campaign finance reform activists, they argue that voters should know who is funding political advertisements. Such information, they assert, is essential to voters' ability to evaluate the merits of political messages and to know if certain special interests may be trying to curry favor with politicians. Fred Worthmeyer, the founder and president of Democracy 21, said history makes clear that unlimited contributions and secret money are a formula for corruption. Likewise, the Campaign Legal Center has called the emergence of dark money a serious threat to our democracy. And in a portion of the controversial Citizens United decision, eight of the nine Supreme Court justices agreed that disclosure of money in politics was important because... 
Transparency enables the electorate to make informed decisions and give proper weight to different speakers and messages. So this is why it's important or just say valuable for Nevadans to know that there is an attempt, and this is only happening in two other states in the nation, Mississippi and Georgia, and where uh, uh, politicians are attempting to essentially not disclose donors. And it's, I, I guess for me, like, why not? <laughs> why not tell us who gave you money? Well, and, and this is where it gets a little tricky, but a little not, because from my understanding, and I mean, I could even be wrong with this, but political PACs, they're, they're public-ish, and that's why they're used. Sure. Halfway yes. because they're, they're not fully public, and the legal limitations that exist around them. So you can have a pact or normally they're actually super PACs or not normally PACs, but you can have a pack, a super pact. Mm -hmm. It could donate or spend an infinite amount of money on a given campaign, meaning that in general, it can also raise an equally infinite amount of money. There isn't a a cap or an expenditure because they're not spending the money for one candidate and the money's not designed for one candidate. Well, but it's they, designed they can. For, yes, they but it's, can. it's marketed and it's designed for a purpose and it is contributed for a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not contributed for the person or for the candidate. It is... And it can't be done in coordination with the candidate. Yeah, so... If you've ever seen some political shows, and I think Alpha House does it best, which is a very offshooted Amazon show that I'm, Amazon like, I've Prime never did. heard of that. No one's ever have, but it's <laughs> the most scary show I've ever seen with how both politically inaccurate and satirical it is at the same, or politically accurate while satirical at the same time. Okay. One of the things they highlight is how you end up coordinating with PACs or how campaigns end up coordinating with super PACs. So we'll describe how it happens in the show, not how it happens in real life. <coughs> Sorry, I had something stuck in my throat. So you uh, you generally... Mitch McConnell. I don't know if you ever no. heard about that, but I'll bring it up when you're done. Okay, because I'm totally referring to how it happens in the show and not how it happens in real life. <coughs> so... You reach out to a coordinator or someone, a contact, if you will, that you know has some other contacts with PACs or super PACs. And you more or less have a conversation saying, hey, I need some help with X race. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're the candidate, sometimes you're not, and sometimes it's, I need help. Well, you're not supposed to be the candidate, I'll tell you that, legally. You're not talking with the pact. You're already missing what I've heard. You're talking with a contact that knows the pact. Oh, got it, got it. You're talking with someone and you say, hey, I need some help. I mean, isn't this still considered coordination, regardless of who it is that you're talking to? That's all that's all that happens. (laughs) That's the end of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. This is how it happened in the show, swear to God. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Did you hear so, about Mitch McConnell in I think it was 2016? No. What happened? I think it was 20s. No, maybe it was way longer. I think maybe it was 2008. So apparently, uh, randomly one day on his website, just showed up a bunch of like B-roll, <laughs> like like videos, and everybody was like, "What the hell is this?" It's just straight up like pictures of Mitch McConnell smiling and then it shows different pictures and then videos of him smiling and then it's like videos of Mitch McConnell shaking people's hands. <laughs> and so like, it's all like super pack B-roll or something. Yes, like like the packs that he is not allowed to coordinate with needed some actual like digital content from him for the campaign and he couldn't just give it to him so he just randomly put it up yep. on his website, and I guess it went viral. Like on Twitter, people were just spreading well, and, it everywhere. And that's the thing of like, it, 
I get from the outside that sounds like coordination, but legally it's not because it's not like the the immediate parties aren't talking in the way that they need to be for it to be coordination. And I know that that sounds fucked up, but like from how it's done in the TV shows, <laughs> that's how it's done in real life. Yeah. So yeah. I like I it's it's weird to think of that, but you know, the PACs are public-ish because they do have to report yep, to who donated to them and how much was donated. But it's not donated like, oh, I donated to this candidate. It's I donated to this PAC, and then this PAC did whatever the hell they want with the money. But right. I didn't tell them what to do with it. So that's <laughs> how it, it creates the plausible deniability for the person donating, which is arguably bullshit, and everyone knows it at this point, which is why... They found this creative way of forming a 501c4 nonprofit and saying, oh, we're a nonprofit organization that's benefiting people. Mm-hmm. And it's the Service First Fund now, which it was renamed from yeah. the inaugural fund or whatever. Yeah. So it even had a name that was like, oh, no, it's just for Lombardo's inauguration to now it's something else. The baffling question is who's actually benefiting from this nonprofit? That's the question. That's what I'm and saying why. Like, that. that's what I'm getting to. Who's benefiting from it? Yes, but there's... And I, I keep thinking back to this, and this is where I'm like, well, you have to think of why the bill that you first talked about was introduced in this session and the overall problem that we're facing now. And it's the, uh, the Henry Umick, or Smokey Umick, he was an old NASCAR race race car driver. Okay. And it's the problem that he presented to the world of racing, which was, well, it doesn't in the rule book, it doesn't say I can't do it. So I'm gonna do it. And he was the master of the gray area. Sure. And that's what we're seeing right now, is we're seeing people utilize the gray area to their fullest extent until they can no longer utilize the gray area. Lombardo's a little upset because we tried to call him on using that gray area. Yeah. What will come of it? I, I don't really know. Yeah. Is it a good or bad gray area? Well, I'm, I'm one of those weird political candidates where I really think that we should try and decrease the amount of money being spent in our campaigns. And we need to yeah. you know, decrease the overall amount of money that people can spend in races. With that being said, some companies and some rich people don't like that. They don't. They sure don't like that. But, you know. But, yeah. Hey, We're, if you can find a way to legally skirt the system, I mean, you're going to find a way to legally skirt the system. Yeah. So that's what's happening right now. Not sure anything is actually going to come of this at all, but interesting nonetheless. And with that, shall we go into Broke My Brain? My brain has not been broken too often lately, but I just kind of realized through this whole jumbling, this is more of a fun tidbit overall, like, oh my gosh, my brain's like hurting from this. So Sam Brown announced his candidacy for Senate today to, or yeah, to do, to unseat Jackie Rose. And that happened. Yep. However you feel about that. Um, my first thought was, wow, I had that called like what, two months ago or something like that, that yeah, he's going to run for Senate. That Yeah. I remember um, you telling me that. Yeah. That's where I'm like, gosh, I hate that. But then what really actually was just <laughs> kind we of saw like, him in Starbucks. <laughs> yes. We saw him in Starbucks where I was like, he's going to run for Senate again. Yeah. You called it. What's interesting though, is when I was reading the article about it, I was reminded, not even just like, oh yeah, that's hap-, like actually legitimately like oh shit that's a thing Hmm. i thought that sam brown was the first one to announce i'd totally forgotten about jim marchant like 100 percent oh i just forgotten about his bid i'd forgotten about that altogether and that's where i'm just like wow that's quite interesting (laughs) that he's been trying to run for a month or two already and like nothing well, Whereas I mean, this guy, I feel like, has actually made some news with his announcement. Yeah. The Jim Marchand announcement was so, like, it felt I had to dig for that one anyway. And now I'm re- like, oh, yeah, that, that it's, it's such a weird, like, 
I don't know. Just to me, that's where I'm like, it, it's not a brain breaker as much as it's just a weird, like... Okay, but remind everybody do. who Jim Marchant is. Well, I mean, he was an old election denier. <laughs> he was one of the people pictured with one of the six who submitted fake electors. Like, he wasn't a, a very... Uh, he ran for Secretary of State. This, was it Secretary of State or was it... I can't remember. I think it was Secretary of State. Either way, he's a serial loser in the last couple elections. And he's turned into a very, very, very right... Yep. Election denier. Yes. And the thing that this NV article tried to point out, which I, I will actually come out and just disagree with them on a little bit. They were saying that Sam Brown really tried to pull Laxalt to the right during the primary in 2020. And although I think he did, I mm -hmm. don't think them touting him as a right wing candidate is right in any way. Mm. He did have some very questionable policies and some questionable thoughts. I won't deny that. Sure. But he did have some sensible Republican policies, which allowed him to amass as much money as, as he did as an unnamed candidate in our state. And they're trying to pretty much say that, oh, it's going to be a really bad toss-up between Marchant and Brown because Marchant and Brown are pretty much from the same election-denying, like, tag and everything. And I was like, even if Sam Brown had some election denying views, that wasn't his main shtick. And he's definitely not going to like land on that the same way that Marchant will. Sure. So I don't, I don't think trying to both paint them as just two sides of the same coin is at all correct. And that's where I'm just going to disagree. Or, they might both be or wise, crazy. you know, like, yeah, like they, I, uh, yes, don't do that. You know, we, we need to have, more awareness around somebody's potential than that, than to yeah. just pigeonhole them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't like how this article, it seemed to give that, that view or that sense of like, Oh, well, I mean, he's just another pigeonhole election denier. And I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's not as much as some of the other ones are. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that he's not fully. I think he might have some of those views or he might have touted some of them, but, like, it wasn't his campaign. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. So uh, that's where I, I, yeah, I just, I forgot yeah. all about Marchant's <laughs> bid. Oof. Yeah. Well, he's forgettable. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I had a couple of different things I wanted to talk about for Broke My Brain. Um, I think we're going to get into the Biden student loan forgiveness program another time. We're actually going to spend some time uh, digging deeper into that in the near future. So I'm not going to dig too deep into that. I actually heard a Florida thing today that um, kind of was interesting about, I guess, getting rid of like permanent alimony i don't i can't even say if i have a position on this or not but what i, I will don't say understand what <laughs> alimony is i still don't get it i've heard the term since i was like eight and i'm like is is that not child support no it's not child support is <laughs> it, it, it basically like, is child support for the wife <laughs> yeah, that's or I'm the like, spouse well, i should say i shouldn't be sexist yeah here. and then yeah okay so i get it then then that it's for the spouse but then i'm like wait but you're telling me that. Look, there's a, a lot a, of interesting things. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know. I'm just. That's why like, I'm saying. Unless they're. I can't even class, say I have yeah, a position I, uh, on this. Maybe I'm single, so I can't <laughs> argue. I can't even. I'm so far from even needing a position on this. Like. Uh, yeah. I, look. Ugh. Maybe if for some reason this couple splits up and they're already like in their 70s and maybe the wife or the husband was reliant on the income from well, the but, other uh, spouse for their whole okay, life. And our confusion also, <laughs> I think, no, 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 but hear me out here. Hear me out here. Yeah, our yeah, confusion yeah. is also telling on maybe the argument behind this policy. Because think, think about what Florida is proposing. A ban on permanent alimony. Right. So, like, that almost makes... Is that Florida being sensical? Did okay. this not pass no. or something? Okay. Like, okay, no, no, no. So, this got signed, okay? DeSantis <laughs> okay. signed it. So, it's oh, done. okay. Okay, so it's, there's got to be something bad no, in there. Does done. it, like, kill okay. puppies or something? No, so like, what, what it does... What 
What it does, there's a quote in there of a woman from some uh, women's group saying... What, does it kill women? <laughs> it, I, from what this says, it seems to largely impact women uh, m- more than men, at least in the state of Florida, is what I picked up from the article, and that these women are pissed. And so when you say... Oh, is Florida doing something sensical? Hell no. Florida is doing what Florida does and saying, we don't care about women. (laughs) So the men who want all their money back from, so they don't have to pay alimony anymore. That's why they're cutting this off. But anyway, again, I don't want it to be sexist because. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say maybe it's just the, uh, the lawyer in me and maybe it's why i'm single but i'm just sitting here thinking like get a prenup like why are you complaining it's your fault for not like doing your your pre-due diligence and and like you can do the proper things prior and not have to say like oh but i don't want to have to pay like or I'll say, too, you, like, you get to, a I job, know. I guess. Like, if well, if I get no, a divorce that, that, at 40 years well, old, again, that, I should hey, work. work. I'm, I'm trying to take the – I'm trying to think <laughs> of it through the – okay, we're. I'm trying not to be sexist, so I'm I, not trying to tell you to get a job. No, I know. I'm trying to think of, like, okay, how can I tell these old white men to just buck up and quit complaining? <laughs> like – and to me, it's their own fault. Like, yeah, you, prenup, d- prenup would yeah, do it. Get a prenup. You can do your own due diligence. Yeah. You can, I don't know, maybe just not agree to marry some crazy chick that you don't like or something. Like, if it's going to go that bad or you're that pissed or you're losing that much money, like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah. That's, I'm just trying to think of it from the non-sextist view of I like. I know. It's so hard. Like I said, <laughs> I don't just, even know where I stand on this situation, but I thought yeah, it was a Look, but th- like, this wasn't even the broken my brain but i, I, I almost look i'll probably spend less time talking about my actual broke my brain which was okay we already mentioned the supreme court ruling they ruled in favor. which one for okay. crying out loud okay. like okay. there's yeah, too I'm many talking about the point. one that impacks me personally okay go. all right so this is the one where they ruled in favor of the web designer who refused to design websites for same-sex oh, couples okay so I'm so glad that this actually came out immediately and got the facts out um, quickly. And that is that the entire case was based on a hypothetical. Like, that was the part that just shattered my brain. Like, how could a case get taken all the way up to the Supreme Court. Because it takes years to get a case to the Supreme Court. Well, and I get... It doesn't anymore, and... No, they fact-checked everything. The, the dude... But did it take it years... No, but did it take oh. them... I'm not arguing that. Sure. I'm saying, did it take them years to get this case to the Supreme Court? Because from my understanding of what... And, and this is where we're going to get real political real quick, and I don't even care. But my <laughs> understanding of the long-term strategy that Republicans have taken to take over the Supreme Court overall has been partially putting very conservative judges at every single level of our court system. Mm-hmm. So they flooded every single layer of the court with conservative judges. Judges are the ones who dictate their docket. They dictate how fast cases are seen, when they sure. see the cases, and how quickly they get moved forward. So that's the only reason where I'm like, okay, you're right in I see what you're saying years there. prior, it, it being sure. years to get to the Supreme Court, but I want to know how long it took for this one from that's start to finish to get yeah, there. Yeah, and I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Um, what I will say, in addition to that, this entire case, it was litigated by the ADF, which is the Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, it's a Sounds group a of lawyers. Sounds a lot like the Service First Fund. If I'm really honest, just like straight up as a queer woman, this organization, the ADF, they cause fear within me because when you look up, like I would say probably 90% of the anti-LGBTQ legislation that is being put out, this group specifically is backing it. And it's a bunch of very conservative 
um, and some religious lawyers who are on a mission. They are on a mission and they, all this, uh, anti-trans legislation that we're seeing, they are backing most of that into your point, Tim, putting it through courts that they know have conservative, yep. uh, judges and justices, and they're just pushing this stuff up. And like there, there is an actual thing. And this case I'm pretty sure is, is victim to it where they will now judge shop. And large lawyers on large landmark cases, before they launch the case, will shop around and will find areas in the country that both have a case that matches what they're looking for, a judge in the area that they know will give them the right thing that they need to start the appellate process, Mm -hmm. and a a district court or in a district that has a district court that was appointed that will get them eventually to the Supreme Court very quickly. I'm pretty sure that this is a practice that's taught yeah. in some law firms where it's like, no, no, you have to you have to shop for your judge. And like you have to find the right judge to get the right things done on your case to get it pushed forward so that we can get it in front of the right people. Yeah. And again, the thing about this particular case that now allows people to personally discriminate against me me as a queer woman um, was completely based on a hypothetical scenario. And I, these are the moments when I'm reviewing some of this stuff and talking about it with people where it's kind of like, can we wake up a little faster? Because we are already at a place of being really difficult to turn around now. So this was almost my broke my brain and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I will. Cause it was, it was, it's hard to explain why my brain was so broken by this, but it was a Twitter thread that I came across and I'll explain the Twitter thread and then I'll explain why my brain was broken. But the Twitter thread was on the premise of, And I want you to remember every time you tell me to vote blue in 24, that this is happening under a blue president. And of course, the response in the feed was, this is what happens when you don't understand the Supreme Court. But then another theme in the thread was, the only answer is to organize. And the reason why it fully broke my brain is one of the same reasons why I just, I don't support Biden as well as I should. And this pisses a lot of people off because I, I think he's boneless. I think he's spineless. And I don't think he's a true, he's the true democratic politician that we need because when FDR was getting screwed by the Supreme court and he wasn't getting what he need, he threatened to pack it until they backed off. Now that we are seeing actual bad ramifications of the court being packed by the other side, Instead of actually packing the court or instead of actually pushing for Supreme Court reform or instead of doing anything like that, they are being silent and they are doing nothing. So the answer is to organize, but I don't know behind who because we don't have any viable third party candidates that fucking make sense because they're all fucking batshit crazy. (laughs) And you can't tell me that Biden isn't the best option right now because he fucking is. And that's after what I just said. Yep. Because everything I just said, I fully believe. I think he's spineless. I think he's boneless. I don't think he's going to do what we need him to as Democrats. But he's the best fucking option we have, which fucking sucks. Yeah, I think we all knew he was moderate, right? And I think that was why people knew that he would beat Trump. And, yeah, so we're here. Um but I just, I want people to wake up because I may have to move to Canada. <laughs> it sounds so extreme. I understand how extreme this sounds, but most people have zero idea that these dominoes are just slamming. It's already in motion. The train is going. 
And so... Well, I mean, I already, like, I've, I've looked into it, yeah. actually, in the past. More for job reasons, but yeah, I know the process of going to Canada. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know the full process of going to Canada and what I would have to do, the certain government websites that I would have to go through, the <laughs> applications that I would need to put in, the, the proper visas that I would need to apply for prior to applying for a proper job in, the, in any of the states of Canada. I've already, uh, yeah. Look, if <laughs> it's a in a rush, ahead. it's g- probably going to be Mexico, if I'm um, honest, because I got yeah, half yeah, yeah, of that blood in me, so I'm, yeah. it might be an easier process. <laughs> yeah, because with, with Canada, it's, it's very much a bureaucratic process, yeah. but if done right, it's, it's still relatively easy, but it, it takes bureaucratic time. Yeah, and, you know, some, we may not have time, because when people realize that shit hits the fan, it's going to be too late. Oh, it's never too late to grab an umbrella. <laughs> grab an umbrella and then a mop. To block the shit both and then clean it, it you up. Can hold, yeah, you can hold both at the same time. It sucks, but <laughs> someone's got to do it. Yep. Give me the mop. <laughs> I'll hold the umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ugh. Let's wrap it up. So the outro, what? We're on. Okay, let's see if I can get this right. Because our different platforms. We are on Apple Music. We're on Spotify. Google Podcasts. iHeart. And I always forget this last one. You always forget this last one. Oh, my God. Amazon. Amazon. We are. Hey, while you're on Amazon, go watch (laughs) Alpha House. It's available on Amazon Prime if you're a member. All right. If you're not, um, I'm sorry. Don't subscribe just for this show. (laughs) Only get Amazon Prime for another real reason, please. Uh, But other than that, for our show, you don't need Amazon Prime. Subscribe, like, do all the follows, do all this, the, uh, the ratings. Review us. Mm-hmm. Give us five stars on the things that have stars. Give us a thumbs up on things that have thumbs up. <laughs> you know, all I the seri- things. I seriously don't know how any of these rating systems work. Give us bits <laughs> if those exist. <laughs> Send your suggestions too. Hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com. Uh, all right, Come back everyone. next week. Yeah. Same we'll place, same time. See you then. Bye. 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 <laughs>